Welcome back to our podcast, Regulation Matters, a clear conversation. I'm your host, Lyon Dempsey. I'm currently the Chief Compliance Officer with Recommending Associates Family Dentistry here in North Carolina, and I'm also CLEAR's President-Elect. As many of you are aware, the Council on Licensure, Enforcement, and Regulation, or CLEAR, is an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international community of professional and occupational regulation. This podcast is an opportunity for you to hear about important topics in our regulatory community. Our guests today are Caroline Miller, a Business Development Executive Regulatory with Tyler Technologies, Mark Spector, Deputy Registrar with the Home Construction Regulatory Authority in Ontario, and Kathy Metkowitz is a Principal Lawyer with Metkowitz Law in Ontario. So we're glad to have you all with us today. Thank you, Lyne. Thanks so much, Lyne. Thank you, glad to be here. And we're definitely glad to speak with you today. Um, also, let me thank our listeners for joining us today. The, the topic of today's podcast episode is beyond the contract, what regulators really want and need from the vendor community. So we'd like to explore how relationships between regulatory organizations and the vendor community can be transformed into effective and efficient partnerships that can develop a number of key benefits, including gathering critical uh, research to inform decision-making, setting clear, realistic, and achievable expectations, as well as exploring best practices and what is possible for the future. So, you know, have you ever wondered what the lawyers and the IT people are really thinking? Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, if I ever get a chance, I would tell them? Well, today you're in luck. We have three professionals joining us for this conversation who have each served on the vendor side and the regulatory side. So it's quite interesting on that. So both sides of the aisles are as it is. So the first question, uh, in my time at CLEAR, and it's been quite a number of years, I do not recall this topic ever coming up. So why is this relevant and why now? So let's start that with Kathy. Hi, thanks, Lyon. Well, look, I think it's important because regulators focus on regulation. That's what they do. It's full-time. It's, you know, it's more than full-time. It's seven days a week, 24-7. Um, and what regulators have to focus on when, when they're talk, thinking about regulation, it's complex. It requires a, a multiple skill sets in order to be a, a good regulator. Um, but there are always um, certain uh, knowledge gaps and expertise gaps. You can't be all things to everyone. And I think that regulators rely on their vendors to help fill in those expertise gaps. And um, I, in order to have really productive relationships, I think it's important that the vendors and the regulators understand one another. So I think it's a great opportunity today to talk about those two different perspectives to see if that can assist in building those uh, very necessary relationships. So for me, thanks so much, Lyne. Um, for me, uh, I think the, the first thing is that um, in the space that I work in now is really uh, e-licensing uh, solutions, software, registration, database solutions and software. Um, there's a real shift that I'm sort of seeing and, and others are seeing where, where we used to think of IT sort of as an aside, you know, um, you know, it would be sort of over here in this box over here and, and primarily the work would be, uh, you know, administration and compliance and discipline and uh, policy and legislation. Now it seems to me this, this sort of the whole world of technology is, is really embedded in all of the work that regulators are doing. And so um, in, in the case of the types of solutions that I work with, we're talking about a 10 to 12 year 
solution. I mean, that's how long it's going to last you. So it feels like it's, so it's, it's not only a long-term committed relationship that we're going to be in, um, it's also core part of all of the work that regulators are doing. So I think that's one reason. And, and the second reason is really sort of to Kathy's point about using experience and expertise. I, I can remember as a regulator having a conversation with a, I believe it was a registrar at the time of the CPSO, College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, who said to me, you know, save yourself a million dollars, don't do this. <laughs> and, and that was some of the best advice I ever got, right? So I, so I think in, in the case where we're talking about vendors and, and, and again, in my case, IT vendors and agencies, you know, the, the more we can have a conversation and the more we can leverage each other's expertise, the more we can fill in the gaps and the better job we can do in the long run. Picking up where you left off, um, Caroline, to me, the stakes are higher than ever before. Everyone is looking and they're scrutinizing and regulators are expected to focus on regulating smartly, to be sophisticated and agile and to embrace technology. And consider that 97% of persons who recently took part in clear strategic planning survey identified technology as a key tool for regulators, practitioners and for clear itself in staying relevant and helpful. That is why for today's regulators, success includes standing up and being clear about what they really want. And many vendors in turn are saying, wow, if we only knew, tell us more. That's great. Well, uh, I think that's a great kind of introduction to the topic today. So I guess maybe let's find out a little bit more about each of you, uh, maybe about your background and maybe how you find yourself maybe having this discussion now. Well, thanks, and, uh, Lyme. We'll start right back with you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Listen, I think you and I go back about a decade or so, maybe even a little bit more. And in addition to working alongside you on CLEAR's Board of Directors and on CLEAR's NCIT Committee, uh, for more than 15 years, I was a lawyer working exclusively with regulatory bodies and responding to requests for proposals. And last year, after working with one of the largest regulators in Ontario, I became the inaugural deputy registrar of the Home Construction Regulatory Authority, one of the newest regulators in Canada. So today, I can say that I've had the opportunity to see things from both the vendor and the regulator's perspective. And hopefully, I can pull back the curtain about what both sides are really thinking. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And um, for me, uh, before I became a lawyer, I was an optician and I sat on the Council of the College of Opticians for a number of years. So I was on that recipient side of somebody looking for vendor solutions. Uh, and then when I became a lawyer, I work with a lot of regulators, a lot. Uh, I work with regulators uh, both in Ontario and across Canada. And I'm often the one helping them negotiate their contracts with uh, vendors or sometimes assisting them in getting out of contracts with their vendors. So, and uh, every now and then I am on the, I, I represent a vendor that's working on a contract. So I've um, certainly seen where relationships can work and where they break down and um, the importance of making sure that the two parties can, can come together. And then why am I here on this particular podcast? Well, those two careers I discussed meant I had the um, pleasure of working with both Mark and Caroline over the years. So I was happy to join them when they said they were doing this conversation. 
So I, I'm going to go ahead and throw out the number. I'm going to be the brave one and say that uh, I have been, and we did the tally earlier, I've been uh, in the regulatory ecosystem since 1998. So that's 23 years. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it, call it out. <laughs> it just means I'm old. Um, and, and sort of during my tenure in that ecosystem, I started out as a license holder. And so I was in practice. And then uh, I became the registrar for a health college for about a little more than a decade. And um, I've also been and continue to be a CE provider in a number of states and in a number of provinces. Uh, I worked with the Federation of Health Regulatory Colleges in Ontario um, and also on the association side in the US with a number of licensed or regulated professionals. Um, I was an appointed member to a health unit uh, in Ontario and, and now a business development executive on the technology side in the regulatory portfolio selling uh, the database registration e-license system. So I've certainly been on the side where I've been a regulator and needed vendors help and now I'm on the vendor side where we work with regulators um, and sort of look at RFPs and do customer implementations and so, um, you know, uh, hopefully that that lengthy tenure has provided me with some perspective on on all things aforementioned line. Well, well, thank you. I mean, it's clear you guys are, are certainly experts in this and it's such a great um, opportunity to be able to, to talk to people that have been on both sides of the aisle, uh, to, to use the term. So let's talk about practical examples. Um, and, and going back to Caroline, um, maybe give us maybe your top two complaints. Absolutely. Um, so the, the first one, I'm going to, I'm going to call it a challenge and I'm going to come at this from the vendor side of the world of challenges. And so probably the, the first thing that, that strikes me as, as really um, being prevalent is that uh, um, regulatory agencies sometimes think about the work that they're doing in the way that they're doing it now. Um, so for example, we've got a paper-based system for applications and renewals, sometimes for CE, sometimes for inspections. Um, and, and so when they think about, you know, I, I wanna get a new system, I wanna get more current, I wanna leverage the technology, they, they'll, they'll sort of assume that all of those steps in that order are necessary in their RFP or in their call out for a, a licensing or a database management system. And, and I would say that that's, that is, um, that is a, a mistake. Um, the way that technology works now in our software solutions, all of them, um, the workflow is built in so that the workflow is designed so that you can take out a number of those, I'll call them clean steps. So clean applications or clean renewals where, you know, nothing has changed. The information is the same. They haven't moved. You know, they're just paying the, 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 whatever the fee is to renew. Um, and so all of those clean applications with whatever level of accountability, you know, the agency requires can, can run through the workflow system that what that does is that lets your staff, your regulatory staff sort of focus on different priorities, right? So you can focus on those applications that do require some handholding that do require extra documentation or whatever it is you're looking at. And also they can work on things like policy and, and sort of higher order things right? So you're not stuck in the, in the data entry world. So, so I, I would, I would say that that was my, is my first challenge is when sometimes when we see RFPs, we'll see agencies call out systems in an order that they're used to working with on a paper-based system. And they're just not able to think about it in terms of what technology can do, which is a perfect example of how we, we can and should be having a conversation about what's possible. 
Um, so that's the first one. The second one is is probably, um, I know this is Kathy's favorite, is um, try and solve the problem without creating a bigger problem. <laughs> and so quite often, we'll see that that somebody, you know, wants to design a workflow so that they can solve X, you know, and, and in the collateral damage they've created, you know, A, B, C, D, E, sort of not being able to think of it, the example that I found was, you know, you're trying to argue uh, a traffic fine violation and the judge found you in contempt. So now not only have you solved your first problem, but now you have two problems, right? So, and this is again, another place where this expertise um, that Kathy was talking about and Mark was talking about really, really can be leveraged, right? Like we vendors can and should say, don't do this. You don't have to do this. This is possible. We can certainly make it look different, right? So th those would be my sort of top two challenges. For me, without question, uh, my biggest concern involves canned presentations that are, that are not tailored to the needs of the regulator. Uh, an example could be a template of PowerPoint that does, that, that does not distinguish between a regulator from an association or advocacy body or maybe one that does not take into account pricing when seeking work for a not-for-profit regulator. And I can also think about a, a second one, uh, which may involve vendors who indicate that their products are truly out of the box, only for the regulator to later find out that months of configuration or customization are still needed in order to make it work for you. And if I can add in one bonus uh, concern that I have, and that involves vendors who do not provide references from the regulatory sector. To them, I, I ask, please be thoughtful about who you want the regulator to contact about you. Do not treat this as a throw-in. For the regulator, it is a significant factor when selecting a vendor. We talk a lot, all the time. In fact, we're doing it right now. <laughs> Great point, Mark. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mark. That's true. Um, I, you know, I think for me, uh, as any good lawyer should say, words matter. And um, words do matter. I cannot tell you the number of times that I have been asked to review an agreement between uh, a regulator and a vendor. And when I review the agreement, I, after reading the whole thing, have no idea what service is being provided um, or in any level of detail what service is being provided or how much it's going to cost uh, my client to pay for this service. And I find that sometimes what happens, those discussions that Mark and Caroline were talking about, uh, about you know, being honest and talking about the options and the different possibilities and how do you solve one problem without creating another, sometimes um, parties have difficulty distilling all of that down to an agreement. And it's important that that be in an agreement because the agreement should set out what you talked about. So all of those discussions that were great, um, you know, they were fabulous, but if you didn't put them into your agreement, you have no way of uh, ensuring that they're actually going to happen. So that's my first um, challenge that I find. And the second one for me is um, have a good exit strategy. You know, if uh, the regulator and the vendor talking like Mark and Caroline were talking about, if that's dating and then the agreement is, um, you know, and then once you start working together, that's the marriage, the long-term relationship that Caroline talked about. The part in the middle is the prenup and that's the agreement. And it needs to include a really good, clear um, exit strategy because 
Um, you know, relationships will end. So they will either end sort of at the natural end of their lifestyle, 10 to 12 years, like Caroline talked about it might be, or they may end because things aren't working out well. But regardless of how they come to an end, the agreement needs to set that out clearly. And so again, words matter and make sure you know how to get out of this in a way you want to get out of this. Well, to, to use poor words, uh, so what? <laughs> I mean, I guess... You know, reality is, you know, now that we have this information, um, how can we proceed in a, a new and informed way? And uh, Mark, I'm going to kick that one to you. Start. I'm glad you did, Line. Thanks. So it starts with having a real and an honest conversation and not a sales pitch. Uh, ask questions. Lots of them. Don't ever stop you will make an impression on the regulator that you are really listening and trying to understand their concerns. You can build trusting and lasting relationships that way, and not just the ones that last a year or two. And to use the analogy that uh, Kathy and Caroline were using, we want to go, uh, we want a relationship that lasts beyond a year or two, and we want to go beyond professional dating. Um. You know, I think for me, what I would say, the advice that I would give to clients when they're in the negotiation stage, um, when they're talking about what they want, at that time, you know, that's the time to think about things like, how am I going to make this language clear in the agreement? So what am I clearly asking for? And what am I clear? What do I clearly expect? And then we'll figure out a way to put that into the agreement that makes sense and, and is legally you know, defensible, but be clear about what you want, be crystal clear on that. Um, and I think one of the things that's incredibly important is to set up milestones. You know, I figured out what I want you to do. When's it going to be done? Um, so what are the timeframes for doing those? And at what point do I pay you for hitting those different milestones? If you set that out very clearly in the beginning, uh, it can certainly help the relationship to flourish over the end because everybody knows what's expected and when it's expected. So I guess that leaves me with the so what question, which is one of my favorites line. Um, I, I think for, for me, the, the, real, the real trick here is to move out of a, a transactional model and into a strategic one to find a partner, right? So, so I, I am of the group. I am clearly the committed long-term marriage relationship part where, where <laughs> we're, we're going to be together for 10 to 12 years. And so it's really important um, that all of the work be done ahead of time in terms of communication, in terms of setting out expectations, in terms of setting out exit strategies, right? Like, let's take care of that. Kathy always says, let's take care of that while we're we're um, in the honeymoon, right? Well, I, this is all about relationships um, instead of when we're, you know, not in a good place, right? Like let's work out those details ahead of time. So I'm a, I'm a big advocate of the, the role of sort of thinking about partnerships, right? Because I think, I think there's a way that um, the, the regulatory agency can get what they want and need. And there's a way that the vendor can get what they want and they need. And if we do it right, then everybody's happy. I know that sounds naive, but I really do think that that's, that's certainly possible. I, I think it's, you know, Mark's honest conversation. Um, and I would, I would just add, uh, you know, making those key decisions together. So like Kathy was talking about what are the milestones, right? So, so rather than sort of, you know, um, putting, putting those things out there and then, you know, hoping for the best, like let's negotiate them. Let's, let's have an honest conversation about what is achievable and when, and what are the expectations, right? And then we're, we're less likely to be disappointed, I think anyway. Um, and then I, 
you know, I'm, I'm off script here, but words matter. Um, so I'm just going to echo what, what Kathy says. Like we see certainly from the, the place where I am now at, at um, in, in regulatory solutions software, um, we see a lot of buzzwords. <laughs> so, and, mm -hmm. and so, you know, we'll, we'll find that we'll, let's say, you know, we, we respond, an RFP comes out, there's a lot of buzzwords in there. We can certainly, as, as the, the IT vendors, we can respond to those buzzwords. We live in that world. These guys live and breathe software solutions. Um, and so then we, let's say we, we win the contract and we get the award and we sit down at the table and we say like, Okay, so so tell us about why you put this in your RFP and why it's important. And the answer is, at least half of the time, I don't know. Um, it it's because because it seemed like that was a good idea, and 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 so I would just I would just advocate that open conversation again. If you don't understand something, right, like ask. There there are plenty of resources. Certainly inside the Clear community, I know all of us would be happy to to respond to those questions. But if you're not sure, just ask. Right, and then you can make an informed decision. Kathy, does that make sense, my lawyer friend? And Mark, <laughs> your, your, your other Mark, your other lawyer friend? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that that sometimes um, when folks are putting together an RFP, or even if it's not as formal as an RFP, but they're looking for you know they're looking for a vendor for something, they know there are certain things they should ask for, but they don't necessarily know what those are. So they might say something like you know. Uh, a requirement is the vendor complies with all with all privacy legislation, but they don't actually know what that is, right? And they and, and you don't really have to comply with all privacy legislation in this particular circumstance. So it's a bit broad. Um, so it's you know it sometimes makes sense to to get seek that expertise before you even uh, you know before you even go down that road. Like, what are you really asking for? Because do I have to comply with all of the privacy legislation? Well, not the privacy legislation that isn't relevant. I don't care if my vendor complies with the irrelevant policy <laughs> privacy right. legislation. So yeah, and I think it's it's too easy to fall into that. Well, that seems like a good thing to throw into the RFP without really knowing what you're asking for. Well said. Yeah, and if I can just uh, just say that um, the conversation that the three of us are having, moderated by Line, this is exactly the kind of conversation that regulators and vendors should be having all the time. Awesome. Um, so um, to everybody out there, um, go do this. Go do this. Lead by example. Way to go, team. <laughs> that, that's excellent. And you know, um, you know, Mark, I'll kind of uh, follow up on that too. You know, the a couple of things that really stood out to me is, you know, clear communication and expectations, you know, setting that out from the very get-go um, from both sides of that, but also treating it more as a partnership. I think, you know, Caroline, you used that term, and I, I really like that, um, especially when you think about we're in this together, we both have a common goal, um, and how can we uh, help each other reach that goal together? So, that's great. So this has been an excellent conversation. Um, I do certainly want to thank Caroline, Mark, and, and Kathy for, for joining us today. Thanks, Line. Thanks, Line. Thank you. Absolutely. It has been a pleasure. I also want to thank our listeners um, for uh, tuning in for this episode. Uh, we invite you to continue this conversation through the CLEAR discussion forum. Uh, this podcast will be posted in CLEAR communities, uh, and members can then uh, reply to the posts with their comments or reactions. And listeners, I have a couple of questions for you to think about, maybe to kind of start that conversation. Um, first, for our vendor community, you know, what is the number one mistake you see regulators make and how can you help them fix it? And then for our regulatory community, 
Well, let's, let's not let them off the hook so easily. What is the number one mistake that you see vendors make and how can you help them fix it? Um, so we'd love to have you continue this discussion on clear communities. We'll be back with another episode of Regulation Matters, a clear conversation very soon. If you're new to the Clear Podcast, please subscribe to us. You can find us on Podbean or any of your favorite podcast services. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a rating or comment in the app. Those reviews help us to improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. Feel free to also visit our website at www.clearhq.org for additional resources, as well as a calendar of upcoming online programs and events. Finally, I'd like to thank our CLEAR staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson. Uh, She is our content coordinator and editor for this program. And once again, I'm Lyon Dempsey, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.